Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken Edwards. I am with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left is Ed Maher with the International Union of Operating Engineers. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Ken. What's my, happening? My, my voice is kind of messed up because we were uh, at the picket, um, which we're going to be talking. The Writers Guild the writers, strike, yeah. Yep, the Writers Guild strike, the Writers Guild picket. Um, we're going to be talking about that, but my voice is shot from that. Just absolutely shot. So I apologize in advance. Um, but before we start, I have to give a shout out to yep. my lovely fiance. It was her birthday, and her name is um, what's her, what's um, her name? Oh. Alice. No, oh, it's uh, Rachel. Sorry, I oh. forgot. Rachel, Rachel. Sorry. Shout Happy- out to Rachel. And you know, I know we just lost half our uh, female audience because they just found out I'm engaged. So yeah, I'm sorry, ladies. Well, that's why you were holding out for so long. You want to give a shout out to anybody special, Ed? I think you should. Yeah. Um, well, I will second the happy birthday to Rachel. Thank but you. I also want to say hello to uh, my special woman at home, and that is Claire. Uh, yeah, she's couldn't fan- do it without she, you. She's fantastic. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I, I really like her. A ladies, lot. we love you. Yeah. So, so big, big week. We had a big huge, week. Huge, huge week. Huge week, right? So writers' strike. Writers are on strike. And you've been reading about it. We've been talking about it. Of course, we're the first people out of the box talking about it because, you know, we're the workers' mic. We're the number one radio show in America. Um, but, you know, so it, it, it made its way to Chicago. Right. And, and it was organic. And, it, it you know, the thing about it, we'll get into this way in detail, was it, it, it became more than just um, a group of writers out there. And it was it was fantastic. And quite frankly, it was unique because Chicago really is a union town. That's and, right. And I've talked to my friends in L.A. I've talked to my friends in New York, uh, all of whom are in writers' guilds and some of the entertainment industry. And they didn't have the same turnout that we had. They had a different, different picket. The, the event on Wednesday, this past Wednesday downtown, was the largest event that the Writers Guild has had so far since its strike began. Can you imagine that? Uh, and it's here in Chicago, and there's no office uh, uh, in Chicago. Right. So, I, so, so, and, and it happened like this, is my understanding. Writers said, hey, we're going to pick it. And they picketed uh, NBC, or I should say, picketed, picketed outside of NBC's <laughs> building on a little plaza there. And by the way, it made the news, it was all over the news, except. I didn't see it on NBC. Did you? <laughs> no, I think they were covering a, like a cat dog or cat fashion show or something like that. <laughs> it is amazing that like literally it's like it's happening right outside the building. There's a thousand people there. There's a bunch of scabby the rats and a fight back fund and all this uh, fight back plus and like you know the, the whole thing and they don't cover it. Right. So um, a couple of things. One is you know these writers said they they want to you know go out and uh, pick it and so. Uh, my understanding is they then called uh, SAG-AFTRA, and I got to give it up to SAG-AFTRA. They turned out their members like nobody's business. And that's the Screen Actors Guild. Screen Actors Eric Guild. And, yep, and uh, uh, Eric Shadron, fantastic, fantastic guy, and the American Federation of Television and Radio Actors. Actors, I think is, is yeah. that what it is. Sure, I'm association. Sure. Well, I should, you should. America. I should. We should know this because we're trying to get cards for that union. Right. Well, we'll, we'll get the acronym right one day. The A usually stands for America. I don't think that's accurate. We'll, we'll figure that out. So. Anyway, that so then I talked to Eric, and then you know, uh, and and some of them say, and Eric from the SAG after I should say, and they're like, look, we, we don't necessarily do this very often, right? Right? Like we you don't, know who does? Yeah, who the building trades? Oh, absolutely. The, that's a, that's what we do. This is our wheelhouse. So right. I call you, and we start making a bunch of calls, and we call the MCL unions, who turn out in absolute force. Well, I, I mean force. I'll say this: before yeah. all of that happened, yeah, the uh, the three young men that. That, uh, film our show for YouTube. 
they're film students. They had been given the day off by their professor to come out to this event. Oh, no way. They told me about it last week, and that's what started the conversation about, I did not know let's that. get some rats, let's get some people, and let's go check this out, do a remote segment, get some interviews, which we'll play for you later in the show. But uh, hats off to these guys. Yeah, good for you guys. Yeah, from Da Vinci Street Productions. And soon to be uh, union members, by the way. That's right. You made uh, a lot of friends out there. Certainly did. And so, and, and by the way, we're going to post a pretty lengthy video about the uh, about the strike and, and everybody that was there and really what it looked like because what you saw the little snippets on the news uh, it wasn't really indicative it didn't capture the yeah, range it, of it, different people from it, different it backgrounds that all came out for the same thing correct now we're going to need to take a quick break but i want to just say this i have also found a way to resolve the strike Okay. And I'm going to tell it, but I'm going to save it to the end of the show, so you have to listen to the end of the show. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. I've actually figured out a way to resolve the strike. It's free advice from from Ken Edwards. Um, So uh, we need to take a quick break, and then we will be back right here on the Workers' Mic 720 WGN. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher here with Ken Edwards, and uh, we're talking a little bit about the writer's strike. Again, something that we've talked a little bit about for the past month or so. And uh, after this week's event, we have a lot to report on. Wednesday, we alluded to in the first segment. Yeah, Wednesday was an amazing, amazing day. And, Big and, and, you know, before we even go on, I got, I got to give a shout out. You know, the, the operators were there in full force the laborers, the electricians, the carpenters, 399. I mean, they, they were there. They turned it out. Right. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic to watch. I saw. Um, flight attendants there. Mm-hmm. I saw a couple of teachers, not many, right. but I, you know, obviously they're teaching school. Right. Um, but you know, we even had you know a bunch of uh, WGN staff were out there, you know, because it was their lunch hour and they have a First Amendment right to do that. By the way, but yeah. that that was nice, right? And, Absolutely. And uh, they saw sheet metal workers. Yeah, carpenters. Car- I mean, I, I don't want to leave anybody yeah, out. I'm trying, was, I'm trying not to leave anybody out. The Chicago Federation of Labor was right. out there. Did a great job. You know, and obviously SAG just crushed it i mean uh, eric uh i guess he's a business manager if you will said that uh more people turned out for the picket than he's had at his largest uh union meeting well and, and that's pretty cool right and and you know that they're up next by the way well when <laughs> yeah. when it began um again as he as you said earlier the writers guild uh doesn't have a lot of these events yeah. and doesn't have a ton of experience with them so things like inflatable rats uh right. they don't have those so I um, had the pleasure of meeting Lily Wachowski, right? One of the writers of all the Matrix, Matrix movies. I, V I, I for Vendetta. V for Vendetta is badass. I thought it was better than uh, the Matrix. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the people who had the idea behind the Matrix. Talk about being ahead of your time with this. Oh whole, my gosh, you know. absolutely! It's seen into the future. Yeah, um, but, and so she was out there, and, and she gave, uh, I think, an interview on WGN and mm-hmm. and whatever. But like, it turns out we live in the same neighborhood, and that's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And this is somebody that's probably a multi multi millionaire. And so um, there, there were people that were out there, you know, famous actors, and you know, sort of a lot of TV shows right. and, and things like that. So you, Bobcat Goldthwait was there. Yeah, right? Bobcat uh, he killed it. He gave a great speech. So did you, by the way. You gave a fantastic speech. Well, thank you. I'm Ken. serious. You gave a really, really good speech. I'm not, I'm not saying that because you, you're sitting next to him. You really gave a good speech. Well, thank you. And by the way, where was our mayor? Where's our union mayor, right? It's his second day in office. The guy literally works four blocks from where the picket is. Don't, where was he? I didn't see him out there. I, I didn't see him out there either. Right. I saw a couple of aldermen. My alderman was there. There were Vest. a handful yeah, of yeah, there were a handful of where, Where's our union mayor? Come on, dude. Like, hey, Brandon, like literally this is lowest of low-hanging fruit. How many times has there been a picket in your backyard in the city of Chicago of such importance? Why not show up? 
Well, uh, without it, like, I did, and he tweeted something like, you know, like, oh, I'm in, I'm in favor of the uh, strike, whatever. It's his first week. I don't know, yeah, what, his, no, I don't know yeah, what his schedule right, looks no, like. Yeah, his schedule. He must be very, very busy to not right. people show up to something but like that. The, you know, Bobcat made a good point, and I think this hammers home is everybody figures that if you're working in Hollywood on shows that make a lot of money, you're making a ton of money. You're you're well off. And, and that's not true. And we've talked before on this yeah. show about, you know, the the person who writes Stranger Things makes the same amount of money as the person who writes some show that you'll never even hear of. Right. Um and Bobcat got up there and talked about uh friends of his who work on award-winning shows but cannot afford to eat. Since, like don't since, eat well because they can't afford food. And they feel like they I think there's a piece of this where the writers feel guilty about asking for money because this is something that they wanted to do their entire lives. Right. It's like, "Hey, I play music and I, I'm all of a sudden I'm going to monetize that." Well, guess what? You should monetize it right. because without the writers, there is literally nothing nothing happens. Yeah. After that, right? W- without them literally writing the script, the idea, the dialogue, etc. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. They have the idea. And without them, th- there literally is no television or film industry. Right. I- and they don't realize how important they are and what kind of power they have. And I think over the years, they've let that get chipped away. Yeah. And, and when we got there in the morning, one of the uh, picket captains for the Writers Guild asked me, why do construction workers care about this? Like, thank you so much for coming, but why do you care? And, I mean, many reasons. First off, a struggle uh, for one worker is a struggle for all workers. Absolutely. Um, we believe in solidarity, and I think that was something that the writers in Chicago didn't know about, didn't know that the union movement was so supportive here. And, um, you know, I think that uh, a lot of connections were made out there uh, because these folks are just fighting to have enough money to afford an apartment and three meals a day, and that's Can you not imagine, a lot to like, ask. The, the guy that writes, you know, something for Netflix makes less money and lives in horrible conditions versus our guy that's you know running a skid steer on a job site, right? Right. I right. mean, uh, that's it's a shame. Or and, if and, you if you get paid, you know, a thousand dollars to write on a show and that show blows up right. and becomes a huge thing, selling merchandise, you know, winning yeah, awards. What do you got? Nothing. Zero. Yeah. So I who, mean, like, who's, salt who's, in the who's, wound. In, who's inventing something and saying you can have it? Yeah. That has value, crazy mm. value. So we did a bunch of interviews, right? And you want to you want to just like talk like run through and and see if we can get some of the stuff yeah on, let's on get a, let's let's get a couple of clips let's start with a, a clip from the actual picket captains for the writers let's get down to it all right why are you guys on strike uh, fair wages basically uh, a lot of things being written for free lots of rooms being understaffed showrunners running way too many jobs just trying to keep our heads above water and a lot of people with families People need to pay rent. People need to get food. They're not making a wage, and the studios are making a bunch of money and not giving us our fair amount. You guys, I think, have some unique issues, and I want to get to it, right? Yeah. They're, they've turned writing for the screen into a, a gig economy, really, and uh, particularly with television. Uh, television as a uh, used to be you know, a 24, 26-episode kind of thing. You work maybe eight months out of the year, and now... And it's a writer's yeah. room. There it's was a, a writer's room. bunch of people. Right, with a mentorship program in which you learn how to run it. Like an apprentice in the building, Trace. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. But now, episodes, as you've seen on streaming services, maybe six, eight, ten episodes, 
Uh, people write maybe one episode to get paid for that one episode, and then they're put on hold for the rest of the year to see if they're going to get the show gets picked up again. And then how does that affect their their pension and their health insurance or their benefits? Yeah, I mean, in a big, big yeah, way. in a really Huge big way. way. Yeah. yeah, because they don't get enough hours to qualify. Exactly right, right. So, so it's just like something in the building trades. If we were to say, you know, we usually have quarterly banked hours. If we don't have enough hours, we don't get health insurance. It's the same way with the writers, correct? That's exactly yeah. right. Which is why you've seen Emmy winning writers trying to find a second job and something else. So you don't get residuals or anything like that? Residuals, the idea of residuals is the good year pays for the bad years, you know? And uh, when it comes to streaming services like Netflix, no. You get a a flat fee buyout, and then they're they're free to play. So is that something that you have on the table right now that you guys are trying to change? It was on the table back in 2008, I think, right? And it's on the table now. And and this is... Uh, this is really one of the big. And let me let, let's get to, let's get to this because I've said this, we've talked about this, AI, right? My understanding is that the Writers Guild has brought up AI at the bargaining table, and what's the scariest thing uh, I think that I've heard so far is that the studios refuse to even discuss it. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Uh, me and uh, you know Brett and I have been talking about AI, and in the beginning, like I, I thought it was kind of a boutique issue. It was something that at one of the meetings somebody brought up kind of offhandedly and they're like oh yeah yeah yeah, we're on top of that and once the studios refused to even talk about it it suddenly became very clear to everyone that it's the issue yeah. one of the, you know, the the issue so it's like they're like hey everybody look over here let's talk about money let's talk about benefits but the real issue is potentially the loss of jobs for human beings well, that's true and also just the amount that they can pay for a script because they can have they can get a book from public domain right right uh, Put it through the AI machine or whatever. Hand it to you and say, hey, can you do a touch-up on this? We love your voice. Do a little touch-up on that. And the amount they pay for that, as opposed to like an original script or an adapted script, is much less. So have you guys thought about copyright issues, right? Oh, that too, yeah. (laughs) Certainly for the work. I mean, you plug Mike Gillio's, Michael Gillio, you plug, plug his name into the AI and they say, hey, write me one of his scripts like that. That's his work already that they're using to write something else. And I also want to say I don't want to also don't want to exaggerate the the uh, you know we have read about this which is like you know not all technology there's no evidence that AI can do all of this just yet you know I think that this is a race to the bottom what do you guys think I completely agree it's a race to the bottom and that's that's all of this stuff is exactly what we're fighting against is that race to the bottom in all sorts of ways there's nothing that uh, they're, they're, they're giving us or uh, asking us to take that isn't a race to the bottom. They're asking us to just be to serve them. And uh, you know what this is about. It's like, do the work. We'll see if we'll see if we pay you enough for it. And we'll see if you have a job later. And all of this is all wrapped up in it. It's scary. And I'll tell you, you know, you usually think about strikes, right? You see strikes all the time in Chicago, construction, construction. This is a white collar strike, right? You don't see a lot of white collar strikes. You think of writers, especially somebody that wrote Dungeons and Dragons, you think that you're, you know, a super rich guy living in a, you know, giant house or whatever, and that's not the case. No, it's not the case, and particularly, particularly with young writers trying to, trying to get a start in this business, it is, it is very, very hard right I mean, let's, let's, let's put it this way. If you're a young writer out there right now, and you want to do this for a living, and you're watching what's going on, this race to the bottom... You might turn around and say, well, why would I want to be a writer? I can't make a living. I'm going to have to drive Uber as well. I'm going to go do something else, and then we're going to have a brain drain. We're going to lose talent, right? And all of a sudden, the product's going to go down. But let me, let, let's get to this. They take your money away. You know, they're, they're, taking, they're trying to just destroy the middle class. There's going to be nobody left to actually subscribe 
to Netflix to watch the movie. That's very true. It is the most. Yeah. It's the most ridiculous, implosive yeah. concept. Yeah. The, the, it's but it's short term thing. It's short term corporate greed. Yeah, look, it is. Look what corporate greed did to uh, the music industry. Yep, what it absolutely. did to retail. They have no interest in long term planning and, no. and, and, and just squeeze as much as you can oh, right now. As of yesterday, they lost as much money right now yeah, as right. as we're asking for. Yeah. So they're already they're already they've already hemorrhaging, are hemorrhaging money. Yeah, and we, why why is that? How is that? Because well, for example, like yesterday, day before yesterday, yesterday we closed down one of the shows, uh, the Shy on Showtime. We closed down filming for that show. They're done for the season. They halted production and they lose money on that for everybody. They pay. so the amount of money that they lost already. It surpassed the amount of money that you guys are asking for. But they have deep pockets. And do they think that they're going to starve you out? Yes. <laughs> they do. Yes. Well, they're already starving. You know, they can't starve. They can't, as you know, you can't starve a starved person. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. We'll be here because we're hungry. We want, we, want, or we want to be, we want fair. We want, that's what we want. We only want yeah, to be yeah. in the conversation. We want to be good collaborators like we want to be. And we want to be paid a fair living wage. All right, so that was a cool interview, and that was you, Ken, yep. with uh, Writers Guild, Strike Captains, Michael Gilio, and Brett Naveau. I also interviewed um, you know, a professor, actually, from DePaul who wrote one of the American Pie movies and happens to be the professor for the, uh, the folks who film our show here. What's his name? Uh, his name is Brad Riddell. Let's hear from him. Film and television is a business like any other, and so we understand profits have to be made. But the laborers, the people who created it, creating it, should... I mean, we're talking about art as well, right? And the people who are creating it are artists. We're telling stories. And, you know, we're human, right? And I, and I think AI can be a tool. You know, you can certainly use it for research. There's all kinds of ways that it can be useful. But... Um, the intention, I think, is to generate story with the, with the machine and then hand it off to a writer to polish it up for a much less wage. And we feel like that's, uh, that's taking away the agency of the creator. And, and cutting writers out by the use of these, uh, these mini rooms, it, uh, it really cuts out the, uh, the pipeline for writers to step up and become producers and showrunners and learn the business. So isn't it just uh, these, aren't these production companies just kind of shooting themselves in the foot and destroying the, uh, the workforce development that they rely on? Exactly. Over the, over the decades that television has been rising to what we call peak TV now, writers have been sitting in rooms together with a showrunner, breaking stories, developing characters, doing all the work to create the shows we love. And now the idea is like, hey, let's sit and get, get them for, together for a week, you know, see what ideas they have, and then let the, the showrunner write the rest of them. And so what we're saying is, yeah, you're, you're denying younger, more diverse writers oftentimes the chance to grow up in a room and learn how the business works, to learn from their fellow writers, and to develop into future showrunners. That's being taken away from us right now, and I don't think it's going to serve the public or the industry. i got to give him a lot of credit and credit to the DePaul Film School because they released a lot of their students from class to come out and get involved. And they showed up, and that was great. Right on. And I uh, interviewed... Two guys at once, B.J. Levy from the Musicians Union and John Coley Jr. from the Teamsters. I interviewed them together. Let's hear what they had to say. All right, so let me ask you guys a question. Why are you here? Well, to support the writers, it's automation and the gig economy are ruining great work for everybody. And, and the writers are just the, one of the newest um, labor forces to be subject to this kind of... Um, it's race to the bottom. Exactly. That's exactly right. Musicians have been dealing with it for years, and we have photographers. We have all kinds of people that are suffering from automation in the gig economy. I don't know if anybody ha- actually has the answer, but what do we do about this? We march around. I mean, we, we strike when the, when the contract comes up. We demand that human beings get the labor that's due to them. And not only that, but we rehumanize this work. We have to make sure that people know there are writers that are creating the products that they love so much. There are musicians creating the products that they stream for free. There are people behind this work. You know, I think the answer is the same as it was 100 years ago, and that's get off our butts and organize. 
All right, we're going to wrap this uh, segment up. There's there's a ton more out there, um, a ton more interviews. We're, we're probably going to be talking about this for a few weeks, obviously, because I think this is going to go on for some time. But if you want to see everything, and I mean everything, keep an eye on our YouTube channel because uh, the guys from Da Vinci Street are going to post um, everything that they filmed, and they filmed a ton of stuff and right. a ton of interviews and, and some really, really interesting things. With that, we will be right back on the Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. This is Ed. We are very happy to have Doug Klima here with us. Doug, and I apologize for my voice. It's shot from He's the getting beginning. a little choked up. Uh, well, I'm so, <laughs> I, I figured. I'm so, happy, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm crying. Oh, it's a little emotional D- here at the Doug, Workers' Mic. Doug, who, who are you and what do you do? Uh, I'm one of the managing directors at Megan Financial, and oh. uh, I am one of the retirement consultants and financial advisors there. How long have you been there? 16 years. Holy cow. That's a long time. Yes. Um, and let's drill down for a second. Tell us, like, you said something off air that I thought was funny, and that you said that you were the Swiss Army knife of Megan. Yes, that's, that's correct. So, yeah. so, like, the utility player. Uh, yes, kind of. Yeah, exactly. The utility player. I do. If you have a problem you can't figure out, that, or that you really don't feel like doing, you call Doug. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and even if I don't want to do it, I'm still doing it. Right on. Uh, yeah, well, because you have to. I have no choice. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You're not the owner of Megan Financial. That's right. Not yet. No, no, no. All right. So let's talk about uh, some of the benefits and the things that, that you provide to union members. And then what I thought was interesting as well, and we're going to get to this, is, is non-union members that are related to union members. Yes, kind of. So um, what we as financial advisors want to get across and as retirement consultants is when we see union members, because we are very union-centric, Right. Yes. Um, we help a lot of unions uh, in the Chicagoland area. We help them retire. We help them figure out their benefits. We do a lot of education. So the education that we provide to union members is um, they go to work, they pay dues, and then, Ed, we were saying this just a second ago, is they know their benefits, but they don't know their benefits. Right. So there's certain things that they do need to inquire about because they're important. Being a union member, they all have pensions. Most all have pensions. They all have uh, monthly pensions when they retire and also annuities, um, defined contribution plans. That's kind of the known. Health insurance is huge. Right. Sure. Life insurance as well. Uh, we do get questions about that. How much is it? When does it go away? Yep. Do I have to pay? Is it for my family? Yep. The two biggest ones that we hear a lot of questions on is uh, HSAs, HRAs. What does that stand for? Health savings accounts mm-hmm. and health reimbursement accounts. Okay, what's the difference? So um, It's something set by the IRS rules. Got it. It's just depending on what they cover, what they pay. Uh-huh. But most unions will pay, put in money into a bucket. Okay. They're given a basically a credit card. Yep. They go to the doctor, pays deductibles, pays medicine, pays whatever. Got it. And it's all put away. It's all in an account just for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear a lot of members, we go to seminars, we have this discussion, and people will come up to us and say, didn't even know it existed. Right. So they, do they actually have a credit card? Yeah. And so they don't know that they have a credit card? No. You and know how they, they, just, they just sometimes you get those cards in the mail, people shred them. They just, they they just think they're junk. I absolutely get it. Yeah. So they're literally shredding $2,000. Uh, sometimes way more. Oh, my gosh. Right. $2,000 like a year. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of unions that have several. And some unions have, uh, I know with the operating engineers, we have a, a reimbursement. We call it the family supplemental benefit because, you know, we're big on acronyms. We all have similar programs, but we like to call them different things. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, telling members like, yeah, there's this is a $2,000, $1,500 benefit, but it renews every single year. People are like, oh, I didn't know that, you know? So it's uh, it, it behooves you to know what your benefits are. If you're a union member out there listening right now, 
Um, you know, I know a lot of union members who, you know, I've got insurance, I've got a pension. I don't know how the, much the pension is, but when I'm ready to retire, it's going to be there. And um, you know, if you're a, if your union is a member of the Midwest Coalition of Labor, then there's a partnership with Megan Financial, so you can yes. pick up the phone and just find out. Like it, there's no reason not to know what your benefits are because. In all likelihood, it's probably better than you think it is. Uh, so it, it it's worth making a phone call and just figuring out what that all looks like and having a plan. Absolutely, it is. And to hit on your point too with the pensions, everyone does know their pensions. They get the statements. Mm-hmm. They sure. see what it is. Sure. But that's the that's the bottom line. That's the top number, really. You know. So when you go to retire, and it's happening right now with a member, um, someone that it, that has a specific situation, they're going to retire ninety days from now, and they are understanding how a spousal benefit is going to play into that, what the reduction is on the family's pension, right. and kind of understanding like, oh my God, that's what it is? Now I have to, you know, the number I had in my head didn't incorporate that dollar amount. Point is, the benefit they're going to get isn't the benefit that they see. So when they go to sign that form. So what he's talking about for, for everybody that's listening that doesn't know this is it's called a spousal benefit. It's got varying names, but basically what it is 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 if you pass away, your spouse gets either a lump sum or gets to continue taking a piece of your pension, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay. A joint so, survivor annuity form of payment. That's right. So, you, so you're protecting her if you should pass away before she does. Right. right? That, that is correct. And you have to make an election to do that. You do. And you can take 50%, you 75%. You know, so there are dollar amounts uh, that that come into play here. And like you just said, you know, if you look at your pension statement, it says $5,000 a month. You're like, oh, I'm going to get five grand a month. And then you're confronted with, you know, you could take five grand, but she has to sign off and say she gets nothing if you retire. Or you can take four thousand and make sure that she's protected for the rest of her life. For the rest of her life, yeah, yeah. Okay. you got it. And 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 by the way, that's a good problem to have. For Absolutely, sure. right? I mean, yes. like, how many people get to make that election and say, "Hey, I just retired, and um, if I pass away, I know my spouse is going to be taken care of for the rest of her life." Not many. That's and- right. And you know, the, every presentation that we do at every union hall, we say the first one of the first things that we say is the union not only protects the member wholeheartedly, yeah. but they have the spouse in mind always, mm, absolutely. And then on top of that, their families, of course. So not many corporations and companies do that. They they focus just on the worker. These are the benefits for you, right? I mean, I think especially in the building trades, the jobs that construction workers do, they often have to be out there at six o'clock in the morning, and they're working until six o'clock at night. And the kids have to go to school. The kids have to have breakfast, dinner. So the building trades certainly... They, they don't have to. Well, the, the, <laughs> the building trades certainly... Um, there is a spirit of it takes uh, a strong spouse at home to allow you to be able to work these kind of hours. So, um, Correct. you know, it's, it's something that I think is missing in corporate America, but, uh, you know, it bears mentioning. Yeah, so, absolutely. Know, so, Doug, and you, and you said this, and I've seen, you know, talk to tons and tons of people. You work for a company, they'll insure you. And mm-hmm. by the way, you're paying 25% of the premium, if not more. But they will only insure you, not your kids, not your spouse. So you have to pay for that on top of it. Absolutely. And the, and the unions in the union world, they're insuring the whole family. If All of you, it. If you have a family, you get family coverage. If you're single, you get single coverage. If you're single plus one, whatever, right? So they're, they're all different mechanisms. But like you said... A, a union, number one, it's a family. And number two, we take care of our families. Mm-hmm. 100%. From, from cradle to grave. That's right. And so, and you know, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. I, look, I had a conversation with a member the other day, called me. And he, he was, you know, I forget, 
thirty years old and he's paying you know twenty bucks for you know three hundred thousand dollars worth of life insurance. Do I really need this? You know what? What do I have? Like he had, he had no clue what he had. Right. Yeah. And and we we and I talked to him for a half hour. I'm like, oh, and you have this, and you have. This. He's like, I had no idea. I'm like, I know, I know you, I know you don't yeah, exactly. And, and it's hard to know, especially where you know. Like, how do you deal with this? I guess is is a question for you. You have a, a member, like uh, three ninety nine is a perfect example. They get a job, you know, working here in this building uh, where WGN is housed. Um, they're not working out of the union hall, right? So they right. get the job here, and the benefits are provided by the union. They have to either seek those out, or the union has to communicate with them. Correct. Right. There's a lot of times where um, in, in union land. You know, it's like our police members, right? They go and work for a municipality, and most of the benefits are through the municipality, if not all the benefits are through the municipality. So they have to figure out what those benefits mm-hmm. are as well. Right. You know, they can call you, right? And mm-hmm. you can literally say, okay, here are your benefits, and here are the nuances of, you know, your pension, your disability, et cetera. It's not just in, in building trades land. It could be any employer. Any employer. And Anywhere. In any union. Right? Any union. So let's, let's pivot uh, back to what we talked about at the start of this, and that is you sit in a kitchen table with mm-hmm. a union member, but that union member may have a spouse that works uh, in a non-union setting, for example. Sure. So how does that play into the equation? It's much different. So there's other fringe benefits that that non-union worker has, someone uh, that has an employer that doesn't collectively bargain for them. Right. They're going to have group plans as well, but the onus is on them, not like the union member that we talked about. Right. Their job is to pay dues, go to work. They have wonderful benefits. The non-union side, and I made the example, you know, some uh, spouse may work at, at Jewel. Yeah. And then they have a group plans, giant company. Um, and they do have uh, health insurance, but again, like you made mention of, it's, it's, it's complicated. Sure. You might have to have uh, a high deductible right. plan, or you might have to pay more for a PPO, depending on what you want. Right. You get married, and that's more. You have kids, that's more. Yep. Life insurance might be an option. Yep. Uh, 401ks, if you have a 401k, which are, are, are amazing, yep. they usually offer matches, so they should be taking advantage of those yeah, things. Yeah, no matter what, for sure. But what they have to know, too, is there is money put aside for a union member. We're putting X amount of dollars every hour you work. That's going away. On the non-union side, non-collectively bargained, they have to make an election. So now, it's now important. Back up. You didn't say that's going away like it's going someplace. You mean that's going away for you? Yeah, for it's being held entire. aside for you. It's yeah. being held aside <laughs> for you. Yeah, yes, yeah, correct. No, that's, you, just, you, just had a, you just had a million people. No, it's going, going away out of your shot. <laughs> no. <laughs> Way to go, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, spreading, spreading rumors. Yeah. So keep going now. So, so now the non-union spouse, for example. Non-union spouse. They may ask... I make X amount of dollars. How much do I have to put aside? On the other side, on the union side, it's already picked. Right. Mm-hmm. On her side, it's what do I do? Yeah. I don't know. What do I invest it in? There's sure. no one, there's no one there. So it's a little bit more different. And then, you know, they do offer certain other things, you know, possibly some tuition assistance and some short-term disability with all unions. They mm-hmm. offer that as well. But right. um, Ed and I were saying before the short-term disability, which we discussed is actually more important than I mean, it's it's as important as life insurance. Yeah, you're mo- more likely to, to use it in your lifetime, of course, than life insurance. Yes. Well, you will use life insurance once. Somebody you, will. Well, you may not. You leave your job. That life insurance is probably going away. Not not for the MCL. Yeah, not actually, for the MCL. I, I, well, we're I, I, talking about the yeah, non-collective no, no, bargaining side. It makes side. sense. It makes sense. And actually, funny you should say that, just a quick mention, the MCL uh, this coming summer or early fall will be rolling out a short-term disability program. Excellent. And, and leverage our economies of scale to make it utterly dirt cheap. That's so, 
it's amazing. So some unions, like you said, have it. Uh, some don't. Some employers have it. Some don't. But we're going to roll that out this summer. Um, we got to spread the word. Yeah, because people need that. But so you you make a good point, and and I want to just make this clear for anybody that's listening. Two things. One is if you're an MCL member, you can simply pick up the phone and call Megan Financial. Right? That's right. And. You know, and if you're not, can they call you anyway? I mean, do, for you, sure, you members call you and say like, "Hey, I have a question." You'll still talk to them. Absolutely, we'll talk they, to anybody. Yeah, they just won't get the same discount that the MCL gets. That's correct. Okay, I got gotcha. you. We've been getting a lot of phone calls from our radio, uh, from our commercials, sure. or uh, a lot of teachers with the TRS pension because yeah. their pension mm-hmm. has been changing. They've yep. been offering two options that are very confusing. They said they heard us on this radio show. Sure, I, I've I've gotten a ton of calls myself and saying like, "Hey, you know, I heard you guys have free college." And I'm like, what union are you with? Like, ask me. Like, yeah, not for you. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. Yet. I'm, yeah, joking. Yeah. I'm joking. You better start working on it. Yeah. Got to work. But, you know, so you're right. So the, the show is working in that regard. Yes. Obviously, it would behoove everybody to come together and leverage our economies of scale and, and join, right, so so we can do this. Yes. But the, but the the nice thing I think about, Megan, and to be blunt with you, why we went with you, and actually we're expanding your territory now uh, into the entire MCL world. Which Love is, it. Yeah, 11 states and, you know, bordering on a quarter million members, um, is that you guys actually care. And you'll talk to people on the phone and, and same. Like I, I made the joke, but I'll talk to anybody, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah, I've got a teacher call me and say, hey, my son, you know, the building trade sounds like a great fit for him. And I would just put him in touch with whoever they need to get put in touch with. So, uh, you know, we make a lot of jokes, but in, in all actuality, if you, if you really need something or want something, you know, the, the world is your oyster. You can call Absolutely. us and, and we will help because we actually believe in this. And I right. think that's, that's, you know, I think you guys do, do as well. And that's why you're in the union space. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And that's why we're in a union space. Yeah, look, we, we appreciate everything that you guys do. I have not heard a single, not one complaint about Megan Financial. That's and, amazing. That's yeah, great no, news. I, I'm, I'm serious about that. We they, strive for that, man. I mean, our reputation is is high because of it, and we, we work very hard for that. You guys, thank you. You guys answer the phones, and so where so where can people reach you? They can call us at our main number. Okay, which is seven zero eight four 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 one zero nine zero. Say that one more time. Seven zero eight four four four. 1090. Where can they see you on the uh, internet? They can go to megant.com. M-E-G-E-N-T.com. Okay. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Doug Klima. With the, he's the managing director of Megant Financial right here on 720 WGN. The Workers' Mike will be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic right here on WGN. You know, we've only got a few minutes left in the show. It's been a good show. Uh, thanks for staying with us, uh, as you do every week. Ken, we need a solution to the strike. Right, so here, here I do have the solution to the strike, and, and it is it is one piece of the strike, but quite frankly, I think it's the most important piece of the strike. There's a couple elements of the strike we talked about. You know, money, obviously, right? And money is money. You can resolve that by withholding your labor, um, working conditions, but most importantly, in my humble opinion, which is AI, right? Um, uh, artificial intelligence performing the work of um, these writers. So this is what I came up with. And, and I don't know if you saw this movie, and I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's like some people, I don't even know if I saw it, but they're sitting at a dinner table and some guy's wearing like, you know, scrubs and from like a doctor's office. And some other guy says like, what are you wearing? Like, What's that outfit? He's like, oh, these are you know, my OR scrubs. And the guy says, oh, are they? And like, that's funny. And how could that be written by a, a computer? Well, AI is not funny. Correct. So my theory is simply this. And now I'm talking to you, the screen actors. 
uh, Guild and AFTRA, and I'm talking to you, IATSE, and I'm talking to you, the Directors Guild, and I'm talking to you, anybody that is tangentially or in any way, shape, or form involved with making of entertainment. And it's simply this. Put a line in your contract that says, "We will." let's say you're an actor. I will, we will not recite a single line written by AI. Yeah. And if you're a Directors Guild, we will not direct anything written by AI. And if you're IASI, we will not perform we will not perform work on any project that is in any way, shape, or form written by AI. Right. If all the big unions and the, the stars of the world and Will Farrell and Tom Cruise say, I'm not going to say a, a single line written by AI ever, right. and, and, and SAG-AFTRA and all the other unions do that, I think that ends the discussion about AI, and I think that they have the muscle to do that. So I have just resolved the, the strike for everybody, and you're welcome. Free of charge, no free, less. Yeah, free of charge. You're a generous guy, Ken. Yeah, well, yeah, I should be a consultant. I actually, <laughs> but I'm not kidding, I actually sent this email to the guy from SAG after, Eric, last night. I'm like, I, I have an idea. Yeah, and you know he's probably laughing because well, he's like, oh, "Wow, can you, you think you're the first to think of that?" Well, I mean, the studios can can use AI to replace a writer. They think can they use AI to replace an actor? No. Can they use AI to replace a director? No. Can they use AI to replace people who do lighting and costumes and all that? No. And that's where this solidarity uh, comes. You know, people who have the luxury of not being threatened by this have to stand up for the people that are being threatened by. That's it. absolutely correct. So I think. Um I think on that note, right? We got We're about out of time, yeah. Are we out of time? We are out of time. We, we need a longer show, by I the way. I agree. Check <laughs> us out on YouTube if you missed any of the show. Look up Workers Mike on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Thank you to the Da Vinci Street Productions. And we will be back with you next week. Right here on 720 WGN.